welcome to a new episode of the Cigar Snob Podcast. And now here are your hosts, Eric Calvino, Ivan Ocampo, and Jim Rodriguez. And the good times continue as the Cigar Snob Podcast is in your space. I'm Jim Rodriguez with my guys, Ivan Ocampo, Eric Calvino. What's up, fellas? What's up, Jimmy? What's going on, Jimbo? How are you feeling these days? Man. It's good to have you back, buddy. I know. It's good to be back. Haven't seen you in a a while. Been traveling like crazy. You got to get me on an airplane. We got to start doing these things on an airplane. Seriously. That will will be the best. By the way, I don't know what happened. They thought I was somebody else, but I was on one of these big 777s, and I was bumped to row one in one of those... One of those seats that you can lay back. Oh, look at you now. Man, they, they were Falling. Like, somebody's either snoring or got a saw or something <laughs> over there. So they'll, they'll learn never to put me back. I'm back to chicken class where I belong. <laughs> Listen, this is not a chicken class kind of show. Big, big show coming up. Our smoke, uh, our share of smoke segment is with the attorney to the cigar industry, Mr. Cigar Law, Frank Herrera, is going right. to join us. Our boy Frank, old friend, good dude. You'll You'll meet him in a second. Good stuff, good stuff. We're going to bust out some bourbons. Mm-hmm. Always, always. Now we're talking. That's that's the best. That goes well with any smoky treat. And we've got a very, very fine cigar, one that I had never heard of. But first, my old buddy Jasper, what you got? If you're like me and look forward to cozying up to a warm fireplace after a long day on the range, kicking off your boots and settling into a nice big bowl of chili con queso, then you'd love the La Aurora 107 Nicaragua. This Dominican-made Nicaraguan puro is a bold new blend with tons of flavor made with the same craftsmanship that has made La Aurora cigars one of the oldest and premium cigar makers in all the world. Started in the Dominican Republic in 1903, La Aurora cigars was founded by the young Eduardo Leon Jimenez, who set out to fulfill his dream of making great cigars. Today, over a century later, La Aurora has a presence in five continents and more than a thousand employees. The original La Aurora 107 was released in 2010, commemorating the company's 107 years in business. Now the La Aurora 107 Nicaragua brings a bolder new profile to smokers who have become accustomed to smoking the consistent quality and excellence of La Aurora cigars. The 107 Nicaragua comes to life with a diverse array of spicy notes accompanied by a subtle touch of leather. A rich balance of earth, wood, and floral notes flourishes deeper into the smoke with a characteristic pinch of licorice and walnut on the finish. Made in four sizes, a 7x47 Churchill, 6x58 Grand Toro, 5.5x54 Toro, and a 5x50 Robusto. The La Aurora 107 Nicaragua is a perfect complement to any rum cocktail, steak dinner, or even my famous chili con queso. Go on out and get yourself one and tell them Jasper sent you. All right, Jasper, good times, good times from this magic city of Miami, and it's time for the Smoky Treat. Caballeros, que fuman. So today we are, uh, we're smoking the 20-acre farm. From from Drew Estate, and it's called Florida Sun Grown Twenty Acre Farm, and uh, so it's made in Nicaragua, but has some Florida Sun Grown tobacco in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wrapper is an, an Ecuador, uh, Connecticut, and it's got a binder from Honduras, and then has to has fillers from Nicaragua and 
Florida Sun Grown, which is wow. Jeff Borshowitz's farm up in Claremont, Florida. Yes. You, you've been up there? Yes. You did. You interviewed yes, him. Yes. That's right. We did, we did, a, we did a show That's over right. there. Spent the so day there's, at the farm. there's Florida Sun Grown tobacco in this cigar. I knew I liked it for a reason. And Well, it's to me, it is the best expression of, of that Florida Sun Grown tobacco to date. Mm. Right? Like it has been... They've used Florida Sungrown tobacco in other products, and there there is the line called Florida Sungrown FSG. Uh, but this is incorporates that tobacco, but has enough of the other tobacco that it's all, it's all balanced beautifully. I don't know. I think this is, to me, my favorite expression of that uh, FSG tobacco. I agree. I'm with you. Yeah, and and then the name Twenty Acre Farm because the farm is twenty acres, so yeah. they called the brand Twenty Acre Farm. The interesting thing about how they released this brand was they, they released it during one of those freestyle lives that they do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was brilliant. They sold, they sold a bunch of, uh, of freestyle live packs. It, it was the only way that you could smoke the cigar, but you didn't know that you were going to get the cigar. <laughs> it was like 45 bucks. You get uh, all this swag from Freestyle Live, which is Drew Estate's thing. Look it up. And, uh, and then it had three mystery cigars in there. And then during the Freestyle Live show, which is where they uh, they raffled off like a Ford F one fifty Lightning, hello. So they had they had a huge audience on the show. And then, all right, well, bust out your mystery cigar, and everybody lights it up and starts talking. We were smoking the new Twenty Acre Farm, so it was really really well done, uh, ex- super exciting release, and it's hit the ground running. But most of all, I just think the cigar is delicious. I think it's. I mean, for right now where we are, kind of mid morning. It's perfect, right? It's perfect. It's it's smooth. It's creamy. It doesn't leave like any bad aftertaste in your mouth. I like like you said. I mean, it's the it's the best expression of that Florida sun grown that they've put out because the initial Florida sun grown maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it was yeah, just, it was like early crops. It was still you know? early, yeah. I guess, and and it's matured. I mean, now tremendously. You can still now. taste it though. It's you very, can, you still taste that Florida sun grown in there because it has it has a unique characteristic. Uh, that Florida Sun Grown, you can taste it in there. It's hard, probably, uh, maybe for you, Jim. It's it's hard uh, to spot it, but if you smoked enough of those FSGs, you know, you know what what's happening, and you can still taste it here. But it's it's uh, combined beautifully with that like creaminess uh, of the of that Ecuador Connecticut, and then like that light like little vanilla notes and that nuttiness. It, it's really well done. Really, I'm I'm super impressed by this. Cigar. I just cannot believe how smooth it is. Like you know, you 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 know you. I mean, you said creamy. It to me, it's it's just so light. It's it's such a perfect first cigar of the day, getting started. You know, and right from the you know you look at it, it, it right from the the shade grown Connecticut wrapper, so you know that it's going to be nice and light and fluffy, and it's like it's like sitting on a cloud, and and it's. It's a, it has started magnificently for me. Yeah. And, and then, of course, I always look at, you know, the, the band and the label. And I think I thought it was curious, and I'd like to know the sort of the, the logic behind it, is it's wrapped in sort of a cedar yeah. casing with a very kind of, you know, very conservative, small, little, little band, which, which I like. Because, you, know, you know, one of the things we've always joked around in yeah. these cigars are like, you know, Three quarters of the cigar is, is is the label or the band, but I like the little cedar touch to it. Yeah, the, the cedar and the silk at the bottom mm-hmm. always add a, a a nice touch to us because I think that I think they're positioning this brand at a little bit of a higher level 
than uh, than the majority of the FSG line. Well, the price point. Correct. So yeah. it's a $13, $13.40 for this Toro that we're smoking, a 6x52. Um, so it is a little bit higher price point. So they kind of jazzed it up with that cedar sleeve and the uh, silk at the bottom. But also, I think the cedar also does one other thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because the band is small and understated, it's kind of at, from far away. Like when you're in the humidor, you can't read Twenty Acre Farm when you if you don't have me, when you handed it to me, and I'm yeah. looking at it. I'm like, what is this? What is this new? Is this, I mean, yeah, I just, but I the like, cedar sleeve says Twenty Acre Farm vertically, which right. I think helps. You know, right? So, so I thought that was hey, that can, was well you thought can, out. You can use the cedar to light it too. You you, you know? could. Although you got to take the tape off of the thing. Yeah, you know. You know. But I, I, I like the presentation. You know me. I'm a big, a big I know, thing I know. And, and for those who how, do how like... It, how it sits in the humidor yeah. or anything like that. Well, and not only that, but in terms of like the lighting with the cedar, for people who do like that whole pomp and circumstance of doing the cedar <laughs> thing, um, which I get, you know, you, you, you can do that. I, I don't poo-poo it. I just... It's an experience. Yeah. That, that's, that's what cigar, I, I've always thought, at, at, I think at its, at its very core, it's got to be an experience. Yes, it's just that, you know, when you spend, in our world, when you spend <laughs> yeah. that much time, one, smoking cigars every day right. in your office, you can't really be into that whole thing. Uh, but so then no the other play part, for this guy. Yeah, right, no. right into it. Yep. Yeah, we're going right in. Grab. And hey, here we go. <laughs> so, uh, but the other thing is when you spend that much time with, with all these, uh, these cigar makers, right? These Guajitos, you know, in the fields in Nicaragua mm-hmm. and, in, and in Dominican Republic and Honduras. Yeah, they know more. They've forgotten more about cigars than any of us will yeah. ever yeah. learn, right? And uh, and these guys don't—they don't bother with any of that. <laughs> and they have such advanced palates, sure. And they enjoy the cigars like crazy. So I, I kind of take my cue from those guys, right? Right. So so that's why I don't get so crazy about it. But again, I don't mind if someone does. I, I think it's hey, if it helps you enjoy this thing, go for it. Hey, you know, I just think if, if, if you're sitting in, you know, sitting in your favorite lounge and all of a sudden you see a buddy of yours that maybe isn't interested or you want to impress somebody, you know, fire up the seat. Hey, what is this? It's a good conversation starter. And, you know, that's all cigars are. Yep. Somebody, somebody once told me, a good friend of mine who owns a shop out in, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, told me this. Oh. He said, cigars are a portable campfire. And that's all it is. We go from here to there. We light up the campfire and we can talk. I will say, take off the cedar sleeve before you light the cigar, or you will have a campfire <laughs> on your hand. And no more eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know that Ivan and I were at the, at the Borgata in New Jersey once, uh, and we were there in the smoking lounge. We were there doing a travel story or something on the Borgata, and we sit down in, the, in the, their little cigar bar, and yeah, it's, it's cool. It, you know, the, the place was beautiful. I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever got to go there. No, I have it was, not been it, there. It, it, it was beautiful. I think it's gone now, right? I don't know. Yeah, I think it closed. But um, great place. The music was on. There was a band. It was it was awesome. It was a great night. And uh, we're smoking our cigars there. And uh, I even touched my shoulder. He's like, hey, look at the guy next to you. And the guy had that campfire that we're talking about. He had he had bought a, an Fuente. Arturo Fuente with oh. the cedar sleeve and the silk at the bottom. And he didn't, he went right into it. Wow. <laughs> All of a sudden, guys are walking around with marshmallows and chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm some spores off this dude's head. It's great. Wow. It was awesome. And I was like, I need to tell him something. I was like, no, please. <laughs> no, leave don't him. Let him go. <laughs> Hang on. Let me record a little bit more of this. And then we can go. <laughs> You're such a jerk, dude. <laughs> so, so far, so good. Good start with this 20-acre farm. Now, 
It's time for our X's and O's. Oh, it's good to see Jasper. Good to see Chenta back there, too. Yeah, Looking man. Fresh always, and always. Fit. Got, you know, Chenta's got some new shoes out there. Chenta's, Chenta's been, uh, I, I heard he's fasting. He's, uh, he's yep. doing keto? In- intermittent fasting he's doing. Oye, ese caballo, it works. It worked for this caballo. It could work for that caballo. All right, so let's get to it. So we always encourage you guys to hit us up. And, you know, if we use your stuff, we'll get you a swag backpack. And a swag Adam, backpack, huh? And swag backpack, backpack, backpack. <laughs> so Adam King wrote to us. The King. And Adam says, I know I'm late to the party. By the way, if, if we're, we're all Cuban. We're always late to the yeah. party. But Adam says, I know I'm late to the party. But I was invited to the Great Smoke 2022 and switched gears from someone who likes cigars from time to time to now listening to your podcast. Clearly, Adam's a smart guy. And now having a huge interest in this at a higher level. He wants to know, what are your top five recommendations for a newbie to try all sides and cigar types of the cigar world? Thanks and love the podcast and a plume of smoke emoji. Yeah, I think he meant all sizes and cigar types, right? I mean, I know it. Oh, yep. Maybe a typo, but I'm. A, um, we guessed that he meant sure. sizes sure. and cigar types. And so, so, so we're going to do our, we, little, uh, our little Mount Rushmore here, our top five here. So let's start. Yeah, here. I mean, I, I, it, it's kind of it's kind of tough, right? Tough to encompass. Like here, this is your intro to cigars pack. Right. Right. I mean, if, if you were comparing it to like wines, right, you would say, all right, you, you got to try like a, I don't know, a, a French Bordeaux. You got to do like a Napa cab, a Washington, you know, but, and, sure. right. Exactly. Yeah. And you would like switch it. So this is our attempt to do this for cigars. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, thank you, Adam, because that's a great freaking a great question. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people like I can't. How many times has it happened to you, Ivan, where maybe you, you bring somebody who not into the cigar or where I. Pick me one, one that's good, or what should I be smoking? All the time. Eric, it's it's all, the, all the time. Here is your little Cliff Notes version. Right. Yeah, and in fact, like on our uh, on our Instagram, which, by the way, is Cigar Snob Mag, um, on our Instagram, lately, I've been getting this nonstop. Like, I've been getting questions, not this exact one, but questions about, hey, my buddy, it's uh, uh, he's getting married. Mm-hmm. What cigars should I take on the trip? Hey, I got, I got another one. Hey, I'm going to the Dominican Republic. But I want to have a variety. I don't want to just smoke Dominican cigars. I want to smoke them all. So what should I take from Nicaragua, Hunter? It's like it's nonstop. We're getting those questions on our on our social media. So so thank you, Adam. That was uh, we're, we're going to give it a we're going to give it a shot here. OK. All right. So first, why don't we go through like how do we want to do this? You want to go through the five basic categories and then go into each one or just go one by one, lay it all out? Yeah, I mean, I would. First, maybe explain, you know, right. we would probably do like a variety of countries and then the essential countries. Uh, Correct. So, and we're going to exclude Cuba on this. Exclude Cuba. So, if you want to, if you wanted to add another one here, you'd have six and you would include a Cuban cigar. <laughs> Correct. But because the majority of our audience is in the United States and mm-hmm. it is illegal to sell Cuban cigars in the United States, we will keep it as Dominican, Honduran, and Nicaraguan. Uh, and then we tried to vary the sizes so that you can kind of get a, a variety of different experiences, right? Mm-hmm. So so here we go. And wrappers. And wrappers. Because you, you, you can get a variety of wrappers from the same country. So Correct. You and can again, get a, everything's objective. That's the thing about the, the, the cigar business. It, it's what you like. So these are just You mean subjective. 
Uh, subject. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, it's objective. It's subject. Damn it. No, it's, it's subjective. <laughs> this so, so is what you like. What may work for Eric may work not work for Ivan, and you know it'll it'll always work for me because I'm if it's a, if it's a cigar and if it's free, I'll smoke it. I'm here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so so we uh, so Ivan and I worked on this, and uh, we came up with this this list. So number one, we start with a mild Dominican Corona. Mm-hmm. Right. I always want you to start if you're a, if you're starting out in cigars. To me, you should always start at like the starting point, which is a Corona, right? And uh, and you want you want to go mild because, I mean, it's part of the the business, right? The best selling cigars in the world are mild, so so get into it. Uh, and so what we thought was mild Dominican made Corona, and so like we like, uh, you know, we're taught it doesn't have to stay mild; it could be mild to medium, right? So. Here are a couple of suggestions, right? So you have the Davidoff Grand Cru number three. Mm. I think that's juicy. Yeah, I mean, so by the way, for uh, for anyone, when you see number three, that number three is a classic Cuban uh, designation for a Corona. So numero tres was always a Corona. That's what I learned in this show today. See, I'm this many days old. (laughs) (laughs) So the Davidoff Grand Cru number three, the Arturo Fuente Don Carlos number three. Maybe not exactly mild, uh, more leaning towards medium, but but that is a fantastic cigar as well. Uh, and also from Fuente de Casa Cuba, Dole Tres. You know, and I think if you don't get the Cuban, I think this is as close as you come to like one of these Cuban Correct. cigars also on the Casa Cuba, for example, which I always remember one when I smoke the Casa Cuba. When you smoke the, yeah, I know, not just because of the name, right? but it has, it that has a very old school, classic Cuban profile. Right, uh, and I think that was the idea right. behind that brand. And then by starting off, you're not going to get scared off by the size of the Corona, which you're not. Because when I give cigars to like first timers, they're like, "Oh my god, I can't smoke that; it's too big" or something. <laughs> I like know that. you give them a robusto, and they're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> right. So you're not going to be intimidated by the size, and then the strength factor probably is going to be a little bit lighter uh, going with one of these uh, Dominican cigars. So, and then we jump right into it, <laughs> right, <laughs> with number two, and we go. The exact opposite on the spectrum in terms of sizes, we go to the Perfecto. Which is, by the way, the best name ever. Yeah. All right? Perfecto. Now, now, why? What's the story? Why is it called a Perfecto? Other than somebody thought it was a perfect cigar. but Well, no, it's just it's, it's perfectly uh, balanced from a symmetry standpoint, right? Okay. But, but then the term Perfecto, because it's tapered on both ends, and it's that's the beginning and the end look identical, just about, uh, in the classic Perfecto. But... Then you move into today's world, and perfectos involve tons of different versions of perfectos that aren't tapered on both sides exactly and symmetrical to both sides. They're very different. Like, for example, the uh, first, I think if you're going to try a perfecto, you have to try a Hemingway. I know that we've, we've done a lot of Fuente here. I know it's Fuente heavy on the top. Arturo uh, Fuente Hemingway is like, especially the short story or the signature. Mm-hmm. I think those two cigars, if you're going to try a Perfecto, you've got to try one of those. Yeah. Uh, they are perfect, but they are not like uh, symmetrical on both sides. It's a different type of Perfecto, but it's still a Perfecto. But you should, you should try that because I think that that shape, number one, it's incredibly hard to make, uh, right? And so the, the guys that are making it are the best rollers at the factory. Right. So that's, that's always uh, a good place to start. But then also they have that funkiness where 
the complexity of the smoking experience is built into the shape. You know, normally, let's say you're smoking a Toro, like what we're smoking with the 20-acre farm. You're leaning on the blend to provide... Uh, to do the work. To do the, the complexity, right? right? Like, how is this going to change along the way, right? And, it, and so you're relying on the blend, the amount of heat, how fast you smoke it, right? For that, to in the terms of the Perfecto, the size itself is giving you the, the complexity, right? Because it starts off tapered, then kind of goes big, and then comes back down. And, and so that's, mm. that's a fun smoke. I, I think that especially if you're a newbie trying to get into it, it's an exciting, fun smoke. Sure. My uh, truth be told, it's my least favorite because I've had the most bad luck with people who haven't <laughs> rolled it correctly. You yep, know, yep, so yep, you've had I've hard, had yeah. I've had uh, combustion issues and stuff like that. But then again, when you have one that's great, it's it's excellent. Yeah, it's so. a it's a cool. So- well, the other thing is you should keep in mind when you are going to smoke a perfecto. Expect uh, expect that the beginning of the smoke is going to be a little tight. Because it's so tapered in yeah, the front. So narrow, yeah. And then so the, the smoke is coming in through a, a very narrow gauge. And then as it opens up, it literally like opens up. And you're like, oh, okay, here's the cigar. So that's part of the adventure of a Perfecto. And you have to expect that. Uh, so here are a couple other examples. It's a great other- word, by the way, adventure. That's a great word. Adventure? Yeah, it's a great okay. word for, for I'd love to I'd love to yeah, yeah, adventure yeah. with a cigar. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. You're right. I hadn't even like I... I it is the adventure of a perfecto, right? Yeah. Uh, and so the other like classic perfectos that you should try, and I know that he, he wanted five, but we have to give you a few different options. Sure. So La Aurora Preferidos, right? Also Dominican. Uh, they make it in a bunch of different wrappers. My favorite of theirs is the Broadleaf. Uh, mm-hmm. the La Aurora Preferidos Broadleaf. It has like some, some gemstone name to it. I can't remember what it is. But that one, and then the other... Perfecto that should be had is that flying pig from Drew Estate, right? You have to do a flying pig. <laughs> they're they're easy to get now. They used to be like incredibly difficult, but now you can get flying pigs in the Liga, in the Undercrown. Uh, if you want to stay on the mild side, you can do the Undercrown Shade. So, so that's what I got for Perfecto. You got anything to add there? Because I've talked a lot. No, that's good. That's a good. Uh, that's a good number two. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So then for three, we thought that you should go Honduran Robusto or Toro. Robusto or Which Toro. Is similar to what we've got here, right? Well, this is all mostly Nicaragua has a Honduran binder. Okay. But I'm talking about when I think of Honduran cigars and the Honduran tobacco and what that terroir gives you, like it's that, that earthiness, that sweet earthiness that you get from Honduras. Mm. And then my favorite Honduran cigars always tend to, just me personally, as far as like my taste, they always have a San Andres, a Mexican San Andres wrapper. So this one gives us the ability to, to talk about two countries in, in one here. Uh, so Honduran filler binder and then San Andres, Mexican San Andres wrapper always has a combination because that Mexican San Andres is sweet and ripe fruit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I love that wrapper over that earthiness. So, uh, so for that, one great example of that, the Rocky Patel, The Edge. Ah. It's the best-selling Rocky in history. It, it still continues to sell like crazy. It's an inexpensive cigar and gives you a great intro. Uh, oh, by the way, I would do The Edge Maduro because that's the San Andres over, over Honduras. Uh, I would do that as the like introduction to Honduran uh, and then also the Oscar Wilde Superfly. 
I love that cigar. All of the Oscars are great. All know. of them are great. The Oscar Maduro, also great. Uh, but I, I love the Superfly. Yeah. It's, it is exactly what I want out of a Honduran blend. And it sounds very groovy. It's it is. Fly. It's like it's like a disco-themed yeah. cigar. Uh, and then if you can't find those, I mean, really, if you can't find the edge, uh, you're in trouble. The, the tobacconist you're, you're at is... <laughs> you may want to find another shop. <laughs> they may, yeah. That, so if you can't find that there... Or Oscar Valladares. The other one would be the Aladino Maduro. Mm. Aladino is another great Honduran blend. So what you got there, bud? Uh, if you want something bold, Camacho. Go with Camacho. Yeah, Camacho. It's Camacho's built, built bold. Built the fortune bold. Favors. So Camacho. Yeah, fortune favors the bold. Crypto.com. <laughs> <laughs> and we encourage you to contact us, Crypto.com. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Camacho being the, you know, like they, they have the original authentic Corojo tobacco that was originally grown in Cuba and then grown in the Hamatran Valley. Uh, but I think that today, like those, those other cigars are more, more Honduran tasting. Right. right? I'll, I'll put like a leaf, you know, I'm always, I find that like leaf flavor. To, yeah. Yeah. That I always pull for from the Honduran it's so so close to Nicaragua, yet the the terroir gives it such a different taste. Mm -hmm. Well, man, listen that 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 stuff is crazy because even in those countries, even in the Dominican Republic, Honduras, Nicaragua, Cuba, for that matter, you have one farm, and across the street you have another farm, and the tobacco totally, yeah. is the tobacco is different. It's left bank, right bank. Exactly, <laughs> it really is. It's yeah. nuts. Well, you know, I was watching. Uh, I was watching this this documentary biopic on the cigar industry. And they were talking about how you, you'll have a farm and they'll have like one corner of the farm. The tobacco will be completely different from another corner yeah. of the farm. It just, that's the way God made it. And that's the way that's what grows there. And it's, it's what's so fascinating about it. It's incredible. And it's, and uh, the interesting thing is that that's not BS. Yeah. Now you may not, as a consumer, you may not be able to uh, sort of capture that or notice it, or appreciate it, but that difference is there. It, it may be hard for you to notice it. You have to get to an advanced palate to to get it. But those guys in the fields, those guys, they get it. Uh, I've spent enough time with them and uh, and sampled tobacco from different. And you're like, yep, it is different. It's just that we don't smoke cigars that are single variety uh, tobaccos, right? Because because they wouldn't burn right. So, but when you do it, when you're in uh, in Nicaragua or Honduras or wherever, and you can smoke literally that one tobacco that came from that field, that's that one harvest, mm -hmm. and then you compare it to the tobacco from the same harvest but another field, and you're literally just smoking that tobacco, you can taste <laughs> the difference. Like, it's, it's in a loudspeaker, right? It's that noticeable. But in the cigar, combined with the other fillers and with the binder and a wrapper, yeah. it, it gets harder to, to notice it. But it's there. It's there. So then uh, for number four, now we go to Nicaragua. And this is sort of my neighborhood. This is These are the ones that I like. Here. Yeah. These are these are getting good now. Yeah. Well, they, they've all really... Yeah. They're all good. Of Let's, course. Yeah. Of course. They're all good. But now we go into Nicaraguan Churchill. Mm -hmm. So a Churchill cigar, for me, it's... If I have the time, I will always choose a Churchill. Love it. Yeah. If I have the time. Always. Because... You know, I'd rather smoke one Churchill than two Robustos. Right. 
or or two toros or something. Uh, because you know, there's always that last uh, part of the cigar, that last inch or so, that can get too hot, can get too bitter, can get too tarry, and it's just not not that fun. On a Churchill, I've got uninterrupted pleasure <laughs> for like two hours. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I go uh, Nick Rogman Churchill is for number four, and I would say on the natural in terms of the wrapper color, so colorados. Um, so the the Oliva Serie V Melanio mm. Churchill for me is money in the bank, money in the bank. It's an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper. So again, with that one, we've now talked about Connecticut. We've talked about San Andres. We've talked about uh, which other ones did we include before? Honduran. Honduran. Uh, no, that was San Andres. Uh, Cameroon, which is, by the way, the Don Carlos is a Cameroon wrapper. Uh, now here we have Sumatra, also from Ecuador. And uh, it's a box press cigar that it just never disappoints. I have never had a bad one. So I don't, uh, can you come up with any others? Because it was like, that was that was the guy for me in terms of a Nicaraguan Churchill. Uh, some Like A.J. Fernandez, like an Enclave Churchill from A.J. Fernandez, also really nice. Um, so... So that's our number four. Number five, we get to the torpedo, Nicaraguan torpedo Maduro. This 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 is this is my luxury automobile. Yeah, this so is, we're kind of yeah. the one. So we've kind of built up to to this. And so for for the Nicaraguan torpedo Maduro wrapped torpedo, we're going Padron 1964 anniversary. Amen to that. Maduro. That's again just like the the Oliva Melanio Churchill. It's money in the bank. It's got to be an on on any essential list Absolutely. of smokes. Right, no question about it. Yeah. Uh, but then also in that category, the Sin Compromiso from Steve Saka. For that sure. is a torpedo Maduro that you can put up against anybody. Yeah. Uh, Monte Cristo 1935 anniversary made by AJ for Monte Cristo. Phenomenal. I smoked one yesterday. It's, it's a phenomenal smoke. It was, uh, what was it, number three or something on our list? It was yeah. up there. Yeah. Uh, and I'll add one more. The Amafuerte is another is another Maduro wrapped Nicaraguan that is again just money. You can't go wrong I with mean, those. I mean, to me, to me, you know, when they when people ask what's your vision of heaven, it's me just rolling around with a bunch of torpedoes. You know, <laughs> I, I, I to me, I love the torpedo. Why? I, I just love the way it, it feels in my hand. I love the way it draws. Yeah. You know, maybe it's because it's got that natural closing, you know, how it narrows at the end. Well, oh, because you can, you set the, the, the draw. Yeah. You set it yourself. If yeah. you like a tight draw, just snip a little bit of it. You and know? we've talked about it in, yeah. in past shows, like how much on a torpedo, how much do you clip off? It's and then customizable. You, yeah. And the thing about it is that let's say, let's say you clip it and you're not getting, you can clip it again and it's, yep. and it's, and it's okay. You know, yep. you know, you could, you could, in, in essence, you could really bang up a cigar if you cut, if you cut too deep like that, but yeah. would it, would it, would it, you get a little bit more wiggle room in a torpedo. Absolutely. So I, and I, you're I, halfway I, to a perfecto. Yeah. yeah <laughs> see? So you're perfect. 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 But no, I, I think a torpedo, in terms of like the draw, what I love about a torpedo, not just kind of uh, piggybacking on what you're saying, it's almost like a, like a cask strength bourbon, right? Because cask strength, whoa, shit, that's too strong. Just add a drop of water. Mm-hmm. Still too strong. Another little drop of water. Perfect. You know what I mean? So that, you, that's, you set the pace. You set it, yeah. So I, do, I love that. When, uh, when I can uh, like be in control of my experience for it, I love that. I'll take that any day. 
And who Look, doesn't like to be in control? And it looks cool in your pocket too, right here. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's part of your pocket square. So why don't we talk about omissions? Like you know, we omitted, uh, we omitted the like you told me yesterday. You were like, man, no Lonsdale uh, or Lonsdale or Lancero or Lancero. I mean, that's an excellent. That's your, that, that, that's your I love horse. that. I love that. That's but that, that's not. Like I've already, we've already given you a Corona, which is a, a thin ring gauge, like mm -hmm. a forty-six or lower, uh, and so yeah, it's that, omitted. We can omit that because it's just that's not in the five that you need to start off with, right? A lot of At least in my view, a lot of flavored products, also almost like a barrel aged. Correct. You know, we omitted all that. Yeah, because again, I think you need to, like, I always look at it from the lens of, let's go back to what what got all of us started on this path of cigars. And I mean, what I mean by all of us, 200 years worth of right. people smoking cigars. Right. So what got us in, what got us down this path? Uh, and all of that comes from the Cuban cigar heritage. And so we tried to keep it on the classic side, right? So everything goes, even though a Lancero is obviously classic, but it's, it's not for everybody. So, uh, so anyway, that's six, our list, man. Six, 60 ring gauges. We they excluded that as well. You're right. Yeah, you're right. they sell like hell. They but, sell like crazy. But I don't know if you want to start off with one of Correct. those. Correct. I think that you you get to a Toro, a 6x50, like we said, Honduran, Robusto, or Toro. Uh, you smoke a 6x50 and you go, you know what? I want more ring gauge. Okay, great. Well, on the next one, try you, it to 6x60. You six by look 60. like a boss with a, with a 60 ring gauge. I know, I know you love them. Uh, it feels like I'm holding something. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it smokes good on it coming coming off of it too. Right, exactly. If I if you're forcing me to smoke a six by sixty, I'll take it box pressed. Okay. You know why? Because it feels more comfortable to me. Okay. I, I don't like that sixty ring gauge. It's just uncomfortable to draw. Like I, you'll never find me smoking for pleasure a six by sixty. It just because it's not pleasurable. It, it's it's so weird because for me the cigar is in my hand more than it's in my mouth. So I, I, I just feel like I'm holding on to something. It feels, I don't know. It feels you like, like the heft. Yeah, it feels like I'm, you know, I, I got something in my hands. You know, it's, it's, it's like I've accomplished something. Like I'm, it, it, me and yeah. the cigar and we're taking this walk and damn it, we're going to get there. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think from a sales perspective also, I mean, everybody's always mentioned, everybody thinks that you're holding on to, look yeah. at all this tobacco I bought. <laughs> I got you know? over there. He's got to be somebody. <laughs> yeah. Look at that cigar. <laughs> from a value perspective too, though, you know? Yeah. You're getting, you're getting some value for your punch there. Heck Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in terms of value, the Corona is, is a terrible value, right? But a phenomenal smoking right. experience, right? Right. So, see, and there are all these journeys and adventures and whatever you you know whatever you adjective you want to put it on, and it's all getting to the point where you find what's good for you. So we want to thank Adam King Thanks, for Adam. this phenomenal segment. I mean, yeah. the man produced this we, segment. He yeah, yeah. open Pandora's box there, Adam. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and listen, if there's a cigar question you would like answered, you can submit it to questions at cigarsnobmag.com. That's questions at cigarsnobmag.com. And if we read and answer your question, what happens, Eric? You got a cigar snob swag pack. And a big hearty thank you from all of us. Yeah, man. Thank you, Adam. It's time now for a word from our buddies from Villier. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of... I pointed at you, you're like, what? I mean, you. <laughs> no, I'm just saying hi. Hey. <laughs> Three, two, one. <laughs> and, and speaking of essential smokes... The Cuellar Black Forest from Villiger. Uh -huh. That's one you definitely have to smoke. Villiger Cigars, a brand synonymous with European style and sophistication, invites you to try the Cuellar Black Forest. 
Made at the famous Tabacalera Palma in the Dominican Republic, the Cuellar Black Forest is crafted using only the finest tobaccos, resulting in a smooth and complex smoke you are sure to enjoy. You may be asking yourself, what exactly is it that makes the Cuellar Black Forest such a spectacular smoke? Well, what exactly? (laughs) There you go. What exactly is it? Well, for one, it's wrapped in a beautiful Mexican San Andres leaf. What? Mexican? We just talked about it. I know. Where? Aged to perfection, the Mexican San Andres produces a robust amount of flavor while giving the cigar its gorgeous dark walnut color appearance and oily textured finish. Named after the majestic forest where Chairman Heinrich Villiger grew up near, the cigar is a tribute to the passion which is embedded in the long history of cigar making at Villiger Cigars. The Cuellar Black Forest. Go out and try one today. Nice. Thank you. Nice. Now it's time to unlock the top shelf. Oh, yeah. Jasper. And now, Perfect Pairings, brought to you by Total Wine and More. Bring out the booze. All right, Jasper. Yes, indeed. Total Wine and Bourbons. Back to basics. Boom, baby. I love it. I love it. I love me some bourbon. To quote Tony Montana, now you're talking my language, baby. <laughs> now you're talking my language. This is unbelievable. You got to always bring in a Scarface. Like uh, if, whenever possible. You know what I mean? Broke my heart when you go down to, to South Beach, that the, the scene. The I know. Scene, when, the, when it comes down <sighs> yeah. with the chainsaw. I know. You know, you, you, know, you, you, know, you got to pack condoms. Yeah, now, now you can go refill a prescription there if you'd like. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Terrible. What does the, 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 the Colombian lady say? Something cabrositos. <laughs> I don't know, but take the yayo. That's all. That, that started. That started a whole new, you know, trend among yep. the young kids. All right, so we got four spectacular bourbons here. I can't wait. A B C D. So let's open up with the beginning. With so, a. But first, let let's uh, set the stage here real okay. quick because the the idea is we have four. So we asked Yami to grab three popular, well-known bourbons mm-hmm. that you would pull from the shelf whenever you see it, mm-hmm. but then sneak in one value bourbon, mm. right? So that's that's what we've got. So can we taste the difference when we hit that value bourbon? Will it be noticeable or not? Well, I'm interested to see how I do on this because I actually, I'm a bit of a bourbon fan. So ah, I think I may have a little bit of a palate toward bourbon. Let me so. brush your shoulders there, I'm Jimbo. Saying, <laughs> I'm nice. Hey, listen, I'm, 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 I'm excited ro- now. I'm me the too. rookie in a lot of this me, stuff. So not I'm, here. I'm just, I'm just glad to be here, but I like me some All bourbon. Right. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's do it. If I had to say so myself, which I just did. All right. So <laughs> let's open up with A. And the first thing we do is we take the the, the visual, and this yep. is basically you would fail the drug test. This is this is this is this is very dark. Yeah. Uh, tons tons of nose. Holy macros! It smells so much. It's yeah. got so much aroma. Yeah, it does. It's definitely it's it jumps out. Well, like, you you said it when when, when Yami, she put, when it Yami down, put it down. I was like, holy crap! I was sta- I was sta- I wasn't even sitting down. I was standing up, and she put it down, and I was like, whoa. Smell it. Now we'll see if that's a good thing or a bad thing. How about you? I don't get a lot of alcohol on the nose. I, I, flavor, no, I, I sm- like, I like, smell like the, the caramel, caramel I smell the, the vanilla. butterscotch. Yeah, but vanilla. not yeah. not the alcohol. Like it's not burning my. Right. No, not at all. I'm going in. Here we go. Take the first sip. It's hot. It definitely uh, announces its presence. There's a lot more on the nose than on the palate, at least in the beginning. This is the first sip. Yep. Sometimes that 
that first sip will will like wake up your mouth. Right. And your mouth is like not ready for this alcohol <laughs> I assault. Think that's what happened to me. Yeah. So now when you take the second sip, so smell it again and take another sip and then maybe you'll get more. Yeah, what I did, I just took man on the nose, I want to smell it all day. I just took a little puff of the twenty acre and I'm oh, going you did? in here. Let's, let's see what this does. I haven't gotten to that yet. I think I might know what it is. Tastes familiar. Very strong. This thing very I don't find it that strong. Well, I, think it, I guess what I'm saying, strong in that I think it overpowers a cigar. Maybe. Oh, well, that, that may happen that, a lot because we're smoking a mild cigar. Yeah, yeah so definitely you sort of you, you, you sort of lose the 28. No, but, but I think the, the pepper comes through a little bit on the cigar. I, and I'm okay with yeah, this. Yeah, me too. I don't yeah. mind it as a parent. Like, take it easy. You'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I've had a dollar every time somebody, <laughs> hey, take it easy with that, will you? <laughs> Drink human sips. <laughs> hey, take it easy. I only got two bottles back here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> take it easy. And if you were if you were in a Hispanic, like, take it easy, my friend. Oh God. Uh, so no, I think that. That the cigar actually does pair well with it. It does. It does. They, like you'll notice, like there's like the some peppers, citrus now. There's there was I I find the citrus there. The peppers yeah. come out on it. It's very. I think it's a very good pairing. No. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I'm, <laughs> well, I'm interested to see what 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 the other all right what the other ones do. So B B looks darker. B is a lot darker than A. What does the nose do? Sweet on the nose. Very sweet. Maybe a little bit of alcohol. I enjoy the the aroma of this one more than I enjoy the aroma. Yeah, so even more more vanilla, more toffee, mm-hmm. right? You wouldn't want to go to your dentist after drinking this one. This one's very sweet. Oh, I got a good dentist joke. I can't do it. Oh, this is very the- creamy going down. I think this one, I think I do know what this is. Mm. I find it to be stronger than A. Stronger on the palate. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. It's a, it's, so you find it super smooth? Going very down? smooth. I find this very smooth. And to me, in my little busted up one shoe palate, I, I, I I like B so far with, with the cigar. I didn't like A at all with the cigar for me. Like you, you know, to you, you guys were talking peppers and, and I, I just, I found it very put off putting with the cigar. So B so far, I like to me, this is what happens to the cigar with B. Um, the sweetness that the cigar had, mm-hmm. the little bit of vanilla, the little bit of nuttiness. This is again, what happens on my palate. It, it's all gone. When I do it, when I when I take the when I draw in the smoke after the bourbon, there's no sweetness in the cigar. I'm getting just like earth and pepper, earth and pepper, and there's like no more niceties in the cigar. You know, like the 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 beautiful thing about a cigar is that you do get that earth and pepper, and then it's balanced by some creaminess and some sweetness, and that's all gone from the cigar. Does that happen to you or no? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like that sort of. It kind of gets gritty for me. I like the grittiness of it. I like it when I'm drinking. Yeah. When I'm drinking bourbon, I like. I don't. I'm. I don't really want the sweet and the. I, I like the grittiness of it. Do you usually drink it neat? 
No, I usually drink it on the rocks. Okay. I'm, I'm a bit of a savage in that case. Well, no, you'd be more savage drinking. Yeah, yeah, you know? drinking. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, because everybody tells me you can't. Everybody says you gotta have everything neat. I don't like it neat. I I, I like it on the rocks, or I like one big cube. Because I, I like it. I don't know. I like cold. I like my alcohol cold. Sure. All right. I'm. I work hard, man. I need, I need a cold, refreshing drink. So B so far, I love it. I love B so far. It's playing well with the cigar. <clears throat> Are we ready to go to C? A little clearer, no? Yeah, a wee bit lighter, but not by much. I'm having not by trouble much. describing the, what I'm smelling. It's almost like an oak, maybe. Yeah. Like a like wet wood. It's like a mustiness. I was going to say mustiness. Yeah. Yeah, you're wet in, wood. You're in the attic after it rained, and you're trying to find a blanket because somebody showed up at your house and because they got kicked out of their house. Wait a minute. Am I, am I, am I, <laughs> what? Am I, this is life experience. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I told you to take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> she said take it easy, and I didn't take it easy, so I'm knocking on your door. Ooh. That one's unique. Ooh. Wow. Very nice. Wow. This is like this is like a this is like a four thousand dollar jacket that you get for seventy five percent off. <laughs> <laughs> it fits <laughs> nicely. It just coach it coach your, your throat. Listen, this is a different animal. This is very good. Yeah. Ooh, this is this, this is a different beast. And by the way, the alcohol I think has now reached a new level. Yeah, of high. Now yeah, yeah. watch out. I'm 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 undoing my 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 shoelaces on this one. Yeah, can you, you know take, how we say we had to have a mattress behind us when we when. Mm-hmm. when yeah. yeah. Can this, you take Can you take another sip, please? Because you have the best drinking face. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause it's sort of like, like oh what? Yeah, what? it's great. Man, there's like a look at this. Ah, uh, ooh. There's like a <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is so good. It's like a walnut. Type yeah. flavor back there that Velvety. is very it's interesting. So vel- so smooth. Hello, C. Where have you been all my life? I don't know if what the proofs are on these, but this seems like it's the highest proof so far. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I I really like this one. Again, it's uh it's very different. It's a very different bourbon. It is so velvety, so smooth. I don't... God, I wonder if it's the cheap one. <laughs> Man, I, I don't. No, I don't, I don't think so. Because yeah, it, I don't think it's, so either. No, because it's really like it's much more complex than the other stuff. How does it? How does it play with the cigar? That's what I was about to do. Let's see. I, I get almost nothing on the cigar anymore. Right. That's 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 the one bad thing. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a tiny bit of of everything, but it's muted. It right. does mute out right. the cigar. Big time muted. Yeah. Yeah. This 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 one is a. This is your James Dean. This is this is this is your your, your solo. This is yeah. Or or you got you need something you need some, heavy need, duty like number five on the list. Yeah. Like a, a Maduro. Get those Maduro. Need a get, Maduro. Get, the, get the torpedoes fired up, everybody. What was the Tom Petty album? Damn the torpedoes. Damn the torpedoes. Something like that. All right. Let's now, move on to D. So now we go the bonus bourbon, the BB. Very sweet on the nose. A lot. A lot of yes. caramel, sugar. Yes, on the nose. very caramelly. Just smells almost like candy. Yeah, you almost want to drop a little piece of chocolate in there. Oh, but it's nice. Very sweet. Yeah, it's but like it's a vis- caramelly it's and yeah. So good. But the it's viscosity so is way cranked up. Yeah. Like there's more for your money here. Right. 
This one, this one's even stronger, yeah. but still smoother than C. In other words, C, C and D for me have been just absolutely. Do this. Con- and again, I don't know how it does with the cigar, but concentrate on just how much real estate it takes up in your mouth when you take a sip. Watch. It's like, it's serious. And then compare, and now take a sip of, so let that settle in, and now take a sip of any other one. Go to like A or B. Can I go to C? You can go to back to C. <laughs> <laughs> Is it all right if I go to C? <laughs> Just take it easy. <laughs> but you see how You're much right. thinner? You're right. The other ones are thinner. D just fills up your entire mouth. Every, every nook and crevice. Full, full body. Full, I mean, it is. All right, can you start us off, please, since you're the bourbon pro here? In terms of what? what, what which is well, which? Yeah, where do we go here? Gosh. What do you like? Gosh. Well, I would say to, to be, I, I, I may be the only one that's not a fan of Woodford. And, and, my, and, and my Kentucky folks. Wait, okay. My Kentucky folks. Wait, because now you're talking about a brand. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so if it's, Woodford. It's in there. I, I saw the bottle. And I would say one of the Woodfords is A or B. Because it, it just, for me, it's always, as we would say in Spanish, choca, they clash. So, so I, I wrote down in my note, that's funny. That's why I like popped up when you said it. Because I wrote down in my notes, B, Woodford, question mark. Right, right. Immediately, because Woodford, now, B, But I will tell play. you this, though. Hang on. I will say this. Although the bottle was in, a bottle of Woodford was in the group, there was six bottles to choose from. Right. So, so it's no guarantee that it's right. in there. I'm just saying it, but. But, but I, I felt one of the first two. And I was leaning toward B. As we B, could be as wrong B, here, but being the Woodford, yeah. I put. By the way, I put Woodford for B too. You did okay. Yeah. Then I mean, and I wrote down Angel's Envy for A. Yeah. So, because it was it, the lightest one, I felt it, it, was, had, it was very I mean, light. It also it also has that. So that's the only one that had that citrus to it. Yeah. And and uh, so anyway, yeah, I think it could be. I mean, you're, we're not trying to guess brands. Right. Though. We're no, just no, trying no, to say which one we like. The yeah, best. yeah. Which one do you prefer? I, I like D. I like the last. D. So D. Uh, so let's do this because we've got four. Okay. So let's let's do which one do you like on its own? And in your case, it's D. Mm-hmm. I'm I am with you on that. I you, like C. You, uh, yeah, and C is uh, before I tasted D, I thought C was awesome, and, and it is. And D is <clears throat> I like it because of what you just said that when you drink in D, it fills up. Your entire mouth. It fills up your palate, and and you. It, it is an experience. It's a, it is a sensory experience of your taste buds. It's it pretty serious. Every D. single one. Now, granted, you, unfortunately, you're gonna you know the cigar disappears, and again, you might need more of a of a heartier cigar with this. But D is one fine ass bourbon. All right, so let's Just, recap. So you've got you like D on its own. You like C on its own. I like D on its own. What about with the cigar? I already said I, I love A with the cigar. Yeah, I think A A it, it, for you because like, yeah. it, it brings out the it brings out the peppery. I think that of, of all the four of them, I think it plays the best because at least it brings out something into the cigar. It, it brings out something from the cigar. And that, yeah, and the other one's mute. Pairing, the cigar. If you're looking for a pairing, something that will complement each other, then A and this cigar, the the Twenty Acre Farm, play very well together. Right. So for me, B and D are the sweetest ones. And I don't know, I don't know how you get to that point in the bourbon making process, but they taste they taste overly sweet. C tastes like the, it tastes like bourbon to me. Mm. You know, it's like unadulterated bourbon, 
and I agree with you. If I had to pair, pair it with a, with the cigar, A is the best, which I think it's the annuals. <laughs> I guess I find it like smooth, very soft, and it goes well with the with the lighter profile of the cigar. So, <clears throat> so then the other question is, which one do you think the value bourbon is? I don't know because I I want to say B is Woodford. Right. However. <laughs> With no disrespect to anybody, I think B also tastes the cheapest. So if the value bourbon that we snuck in tastes at a higher level than than Woodford, then it's a really good choice. I, I think the value one might be C, and I'm, that's why. And it, you may be right. I was just tasting it for that reason. I it, it tastes like just like normal bourbon, you know, which I like. And yet still thin. Yeah. In comparison to D. D is an experience. D so, is a ride. So I think that A, B, and C are are like 40% alcohols or something like mm-hmm. that. They're low to middle alcohol. And then D, I think, is is a higher level guy. Yeah, D, D is your Maserati. Yeah. D is very good. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go with you. I think probably C is the, is the value. But it's between B and C. Well, the way I look at it is, we can keep smoking this fine 20 acre and drink our little A. And then when we're done, then we'll hit into D and then we'll get into some serious, you know, serious change, conversation. Change, change the world sort of stuff. With All D. right. For let's real. see this. So let's find out. All right. Let's bring in Yami. The big reveal. reveal. All right, Yami. So what do we got, my friend? All right. Well, I'm happy to be back here. I know. I love those. I, I, I love miss those, you. love those teal glasses, by oh, the way. Oh, thank you. If not, I can't uh, see. <laughs> All right, here we go. So A, you got Angel's Envy with uh, 43.3% alcohol. B was uh, Woodford Reserve Uh with a 45.2%. And then C was Old Tub with a 50% alcohol. And then D is Redemption High Rye with a 57.2%. Hello. You guys should be feeling pretty good. That's a hundred. That's a hundred percent on my Hello. test, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. See, it was like immediate, right? Like right. B Woodford Reserve, yeah, no yeah. doubt and about again, it. Listen, there's nothing wrong with a Woodford. It is, it is as classic. It is as blue blood as you're going to get. Yeah. It all, all all depends on what you like and your palates and everything like that. But D was a masterpiece. Yeah, D and, was, I, and I always what? gravitate to the cheap stuff. You do. You I do. know. I love it. Because so you're we, from the streets, my friend. But, but you know what? The, the D is Redemption. I'm not a huge fan normally of Redemption, like that brand. Mm-hmm. Eh, you know? But Tasted Blind. Oh, so good. I loved it. I loved it. And it's a high rye bourbon. I, and I always gravitate towards high rye stuff, like just rye whiskey or high rye bourbons. I love them. And the, the angel and the angels envy is always so like it was awesome. It's it's soft. It's a soft, easy drinking. It's not it, gonna overpower you. It's excellent. It's your buddy that agrees with you. Yeah, you're right. You know what? You're right. Yeah, <laughs> she's lucky to have you. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but listen, I think we got we nailed it. Right? C was the so the the value bourbon that we were talking about was Old Tub. <laughs> Which is, I think we all have a buddy we call Old Tub. Right? Hey, oh, it, it, what's up, Old Tub? <laughs> what's up, dude? It's like 25 bucks, I think. Yeah, it, it's inexpensive. But it works. It works. It's 
really good. Really good. It was really good. I had, I had zero problems with it. It actually had a very, it had a complex profile. If you listen back to what we said about it, it's got like these notes that, that weren't in the others. So, you know, we had, this is actually a really good uh, combination here. So you have Angel's Envy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, it's, so Lincoln Henderson, who the whole thing is, is named after, right? From the sellers of Lincoln Henderson. He's an old bourbon guy, but the company Angel's Envy is a relatively new company. Okay. Then you have Woodford Reserve, which is a classic, right. classic right. bourbon. The Blue um, Blood. Yeah. And then you've got this old tub, value, but made at Jim Beam. Ah, oh, okay. All right. And then, and then you've got this Redemption, which is, again, a new bourbon and a, company. And it's a not fitting a, name for, for all of us bourbon drinkers. Now we have been saved. We have been saved by this, <laughs> by this bourbon. So, yeah, really, uh, really interesting stuff. And you could tell the the alcohol level, the viscosity of it. It was it was a different beast. What so, was what was the alcohol level with the Redemption and the Old Tub? So the Redemption was fifty. Uh, what did you say? It was it was in the fifties. Fifty three, fifty seven point two. Yeah, and then uh, and an old tub is bottled at hundred proof, so fifty. hundred proof is like if you're not doing cask strength, or you know, like fifty-seven percent. That's basically your. I don't know what their cask strength is, but that's basically cask strength. Um, that's where we would say take it easy. Yeah, yeah, because now you can you could put a drop of water in there mm-hmm. and you can soften it up if you want, but <clears throat> but if you're just gonna like. To me, if you're if I'm gonna be just at a bar and I'm ordering a, a bourbon and I'm just gonna keep drinking them, I love 100 proof or 101. Mm-hmm. It's like it's ideal for bourbon. It's almost like the sweet spot. Right. So and it plays well with you know if you are smoking, it plays well. It does because it's strong enough where if you need to water it down, you could, but it's also not thinned out. Mm-hmm. You know. So man, really. I think we did okay. Good exercise we did today. Yeah. Good exercise. Well done. Hey, and as always, Perfect Pairings is brought to you by Total Wine and More, where you'll always find the right bottle at the right price with their lowest price guarantee. You can visit Total Wine and More at TotalWine.com. That's TotalWine.com. Good job, boys. Now it's time to share a smoke. Can we, before we jump to share a smoke, Mm -hmm. do we want to take a sip of water? Cleanse it and see where we're at with the cigar. Because I don't know about you guys. I'm like halfway or more. I'll yeah. take a sip of redemption. I just want our, our, oh, yeah? our, our buddy Frank Herrera. He, he's chomping at the bit. The cigar at the start. So Frank, hang on, Frank. We're going to get to you in a second. We're going we're gonna to cleanse I'll, our I palate. I want that, Frank. Give me we're going to clean our palate here a little bit. All right. So let's see. Where are we here with the 20-acre farm? Ivan, what do you got? Over I'm getting there? down to the nub on this. Yeah, so, so it's delicious. It's and that's you that, right. Absolutely. That's how I judge my cigars. If I smoke them down to the nub, I'm really enjoying them. It's it's, it's continued by to the way, be. He is. I mean, I, we give him a ton of cigars, obviously. And by mm-hmm. him, I'm talking about Ivan. Because mm-hmm. um, we taste for the magazine. So we smoke a lot of things blind. He is a pain in the ass. <laughs> what do you mean? Tremendous pain, pain in the ass. What do you mean by a pain in a the ass? A TPA. Yeah. <laughs> a tremendous pain in the ass. When it comes to cigars, like you, we're smoking blind, and man, you look Diva-esque? at his, you look at his, oh. a, his ashtray, oh. and he's like, "Yeah, no, I couldn't really get past the halfway point on that one." It doesn't happen when we're doing top twenty-five issues. I, I usually smoke all of them, but 
run-of-the-mill issues, it gets a little harder, you know? It's I, work. I, I want to be invited to the next one, not to have a vote. I just want to smoke with you guys and see and see you guys' process. You got like a, yeah. a, a month to be here because it's nonstop. Well, yeah, I, think we can, I think we can carve out some time. It's nonstop smoking, but it's all excellent cigars. Which is the, the nice what do you, part? What do you it. think, guys? Nonstop smoking? I think, yeah. I mean, yeah. sure, sure. I'm in. I'm in too. So, by the way, my 20 acre farm right now is is still going strong. It's still creamy. It's you know about halfway right now. About halfway. I got too busy talking and too busy, you know, and other things. But so smooth. So just absolutely right. Just a just a rock solid cigar. I haven't really I, I enjoy I it. haven't put any fire to this since yeah. we started. The con- yeah. the construction's yeah, and, and been excellent. Usually, usually, absolutely. Usually when you when you're talking, I'm it always goes re- out on I'm you. always relighting no, during the podcast. Right. I haven't relit lit once. You're one hundred percent correct. Yeah, well, I, I think I was talking way too much, so <laughs> I did have to relight. But uh but no, it's uh, it's excellent. Still still cranking away. Right now that I've got uh, the bourbon off my palate a bit. Mm-hmm. Had a sip of water. It's still got that like vanilla. It yes. still has that just smooth pepper, right? Really, it's. I'm 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 very impressed by the cigar. Yeah, you can Kudos. smoke it during the day like we are doing now, or you can do it at night when you're drinking bourbons. It's very versatile. Yeah, and but there's there's still that like that touch of a like an interesting note that you're getting from that. Florida Sun Grown that makes it different and unique from any other, let's say, Connecticut shade wrap cigar on the market. And you brought up a great point. It's that sort of that Florida Sun Grown is what's really sort of maturing a little bit. Yeah. And you're really starting to see it now. It's sort of flexing a little bit, sort of, you know, puffing out its chest a little bit. And now you're really yeah, starting to see it grow up a little bit. It's a good bit. way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff, man. Good, great stuff. All right. Let's go now to our buddy, the, the, the attorney... To the cigar stars. It's Frank Herrera. All right. So we've got Mr. Frank Herrera, the attorney to the cigar business. (laughs) I don't know. I just gave you that title. That's quite accurate. Fair enough, right? So, So Frank, 20 years in the business, dude. Yes, sir. That's crazy. uh, I passed the bar in 2001, and I think my first cigar client was somewhere in 2002. That's nuts, man. It's a... you know, we forget like how fast time flies. I mean, the magazine, we're we're on year sixteen now, so we're we're right behind you. We're catching up to you. So <laughs> so uh, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that history, right? Because uh, this this is a, a special year, and I think we can we can look back a little, right? Just keep the names like uh, yeah, you know, keep the names out of it, and then yeah. talk about some interesting stuff that's gone on. Absolutely. I'm happy to share anything I can uh, within the ethical guidelines of my profession. Oh, here comes the attorney. <laughs> here comes the attorney. I knew. You knew, you knew it was going to happen, right? Like, we were all excited. Oh, Frank is coming. Yeah. And then now he's hitting us with already disclaimers. He's my favorite attorney. Though. <laughs> Usually I have to pay him an arm and a leg to like, bail me out of jail or something. This guy's the best. Yeah. <laughs> just only, cost you a lunch. That's yeah, all. Just, that's it. <laughs> Un, un, uh, a Hispanic, uh, mm-hmm. what a Spanish food. What are we having today? Spanish food? Well, it's actually costing you that. This nice uh, High Clear Castle cigar. The Victorian. And a nice, uh, what is a Zafra 30 rum. Nice. And this Cuban coffee and this lighter. There you what? go. Look <laughs> at that. I feel and like, we get legal advice. I feel like Steve Martin in The Jerk. <laughs> All I need is this lighter and this cigar. 
<laughs> so besides being an, an amazing attorney, he's also a cigar smoker, yeah. as you can tell. Exactly. Why, why don't you tell us a little bit how we got into cigar smoking? So um, uh, I'm of Cuban heritage, right? So my parents are from Havana. Um, my oldest brother was born there. And um, I actually grew up in central Florida, uh, not too many Cubans there at the time. But my uncle, who uh, Arturo Herrera, uh, lived in Miami, would come visit us quite a bit um, in my teens in central Florida. And he always had a cigar with him. And I thought he was the coolest person in the world. Um, you know, just anything you can think about a cool uncle at the time, that was to him. And his wife was uh, my aunt named Lola. And they, you know, they're just the coolest people. Arturo and Lola. Lola. Yeah. And just, you know, they would come to town and... He would um, bring cigars, and uh, which I now, in retrospect, I think were probably just bundle cigars from some cafeteria in Miami. Mm -hmm. um, and they were uh, Candela wrappers. I always remember that. And, no uh, kidding. So he would go and hang out with my dad and, and leave cigars like on the windowsill or you know around the house or the farm, and I'd pick them up. So this is my like you know underage yep. introduction to cigars at the time. And uh, I just loved everything about it. I loved the smell, the memories of well, him. Well, you weren't you were you were eighteen at the time. Yes, yes. I I, was, I, I failed four grades. <laughs> I was in, unfortunately, I was in tenth grade, but I was eighteen or nine. So, uh, so I guess that was my introduction. And then, uh, you know, just over time, you know, pick up a cigar here and there from the tinder box in the mall. Oh, that's right. Back in those, those, yeah, back yeah. in those days, it was the tinder box franchises. That's right. And then, you know, as you get a little older. Um, you look at your um, your family and where you're from, and read up on your history, and you know. And I just thought it was a good connection to you know to our to our background, and uh, fell in love with it ever since. Well, and and people may or may not know because you're obviously most known for your work as an attorney, but you have uh, you you had a couple brands. I did, yeah. I fell into the same trap that a lot of guys get into, where you think, "Oh, gee, this is you, easy." You love cigars, and you yeah, think, yeah, I can do this. I got ten thousand dollars, sure, I can slap a label on that. So, yeah, I had a couple brands. Um, very, uh, very few stores carried them, just because a number of things. One, they didn't know who I was, and two, it was a private label. Um, and three, I didn't push it much. And as a lawyer, you know, I, I didn't really want to compete with clients and all that. So it was more of a hobby. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't regret any bit of that because it gave me a good insight into the struggles and sure. the day-to-day -day of a cigar brand, um, you know, dealing with stores, dealing with production, that type of thing. Um, yeah, way back in 2010, I think, I had uh, La Caridad de Cobre, which is the patron saint of Cuba. And uh, Luis Sanchez from La Tradición Cubana made that for me, which I think is a grandfather blend. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. And then, uh, uh, I don't know, 2012, I had a biography, um, and uh, that was made at PDR. And it was still around. I mean, we still have a couple boxes floating around there. The cigars are okay. and uh, But again, I didn't push them much. And But branding, though, bi biography, what a great name for a brand. So, uh, yeah, the origin of that is, um, you know, you look at, the history of branding and you look at a lot of it is, is about the person, right? Mm -hmm. And it's about, um, about ego to a certain degree and some other things. So, uh, I sold books when I was in college You know, I worked at bookstores and all that. So I always liked the biography section. So I thought it'd be kind of cool, you know, that the, the cigar is your biography. It wasn't an autobiography because I didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. So it was authored by someone else. You didn't go with biografia, <laughs> by, by the way. You know, that's cool. You know, I thought about that. I thought about autobiography, you yeah. know, some different variations of that, but, now, in addition to uh, to being a cigar smoker, you're uh, 
Well, your dad wasn't. It was Arturo that was a cigar smoker. Yes, correct. But your dad was a kind of famous horse trainer. Yeah, he was. Um, so my father grew up um, outside of Havana in a town called Marianao. And he lived directly next door to what is known as Oriental Park. And Oriental Park was a horse track, which was famous uh, back in the day. Uh, when for, Cuba was free? When Cuba was free. Yeah. Um, for winter racing. So, um, you know, everyone in the world that wanted to see horse racing went to Havana and went to Oriental Park. So my family, father's family farm was directly next door. Now, this, the family story is, is that my grandfather actually owned the land Oriental Park was on, but I have no evidence of that. I think it's, who knows, but it's kind of a cool story. So growing up next to the farm, uh, to the racetrack, uh, obviously my father knew a lot of the people there. His father knew a lot of people there. So, um, and he lived a life of no work. His, his, his father had a little bit of money, so he didn't have to work. So uh, when things went the way they went in, in 59 and so on, uh, my father left the country and uh, landed in the United States. And uh, the only thing he knew or his only connections he had were with horse people. So a friend of his said, you should come up to uh, the Northeast and work at the track. And so he did as a groom, the lowest level. Yep. What track was it? Like uh, Baltimore? Or? So uh, I, I want to say Green Mountain, which I think was in Vermont. But I also know that... Oh, um, really north. Yeah. So, um, and I have all the photos of this. I have like a, you know, a whole... I know. You've sent me a, yeah, a bunch. I, and I love I love them. Yeah. I've got probably a thousand photos of of his days at the tracks and the winter circle and all that. And it's interesting because um, you could see him first being like the groom, you know, like holding the horse, you know, and his pants are all beat down and he's looking beat down. And then the next couple of years, as you look at the dates on the photos, you see, you know, now he's uh, stepped up as like assistant trainer, then trainer, and then he owns some horses. And it's kind of yeah, interesting to see the, see the progression. Photos. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you know what, that's interesting because in a sport like that, where the winner is always photographed, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool because it gives you this visual, like you said, progression. It's almost like in, in our world, if you relate it to the cigar, cigar snob world, you know, you look back at the old issues and you see the progression of the magazine. And in a, in a lot of ways, that's probably similar in that there's this visual representation of him progressing through his career. Progressing for sure. And then also as he was older and, uh, you know, cancer, he didn't, again, didn't smoke, did drink. Uh, you could see him getting older and more fragile, like in the nineties, uh, at Calder and Gulfstream and all that. So it's really interesting because my father and I weren't very close because, you know, he's typical old school Cuban, but through the photographs, you can kind of make up his life. Right. So you think about your own life and your kids and, you know, what are they going to look back on? You know, what was my dad doing at this time? And, you know, kind of piecing it all together again. You've so, got a, a biography of your dad's life through pictures and horse racing. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and another in- interesting thing is some of those pictures in like the late sixties, there are some gangsters in those photos. Like the owners of the, like you look at these guys and their names, you're like, Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. Like there were some characters in the, in the racing industry. So, um, I don't know where the question started. I don't think there was a question. It was just, uh, I was just talking. I, I always love to talk about the ponies. So yeah. whenever you and I talk, there's always horse talk. So, uh, so we can segue a little from Oriental Park in Cuba mm-hmm. into the litigation, which I find super interesting that you've done against Cuba. Uh, and I think, 
I mean, everybody's very curious about how, you know, trademark law and how does that work against Cuba with there being two brands available in the market. Tell us a little about that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a subject for a, a treatise, you know, a, a, a big book. Um, and one day, hopefully, I'll write it. But when you said treatise, did Ivan look at you with some mental fog? <laughs> and you said, I better say big books <laughs> because he's not going to know what I'm talking about. How do you, I'm that's Googling, why, that's I'm why I said big book. <laughs> I'm Googling it. How do you spell that? <laughs> there was some mental fog in his, <laughs> in his face. Yeah. So um, where do I start with that case without going off on tangents and boring you? So um, Cuba, as we all, uh, many of us know, uh, is a complicated place and it is uh, communist. And um, interestingly, there was a loophole in the trademark law that allowed Cuba to actually trademark um, their brands in the United States without actually having use in the United States. So if you know anything about trademark law, you usually don't get trademark rights without use. You can't, in some countries you can do that. It's like a first to file. But in any event, so my client, um, I could say his name, we've, we've talked about this many times, there's a brand called Guantanamera, um, and his name is Jose Montagni. He started selling cigars in the United States in 1997, and uh, he started to file a trademark application in 2001, I believe, uh, just to protect his brand like everybody else. And through the trademark process, there is an, uh, an opposition period, and uh, Corporation Habanos, S.A., um, that's filed. The, the, yeah, for people who don't get it, uh, that's the Cuban government's. Uh, cigar company, it is yeah primarily yeah, for say it plainly right yeah to um, to sell, uh, so they filed what's called an opposition, and uh, I was at a, a law firm here in Miami at the time, and we took on the opposition and defense, and it's very expensive, and the firm I was working with at the time is 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 very good, but they're also expensive, so um, we fought for a while, and um, make a long story longer. Um, I have since changed firms and went to a couple of different firms and ultimately on my own. And that case is still with me 20 years later in different forms. So it was at the trademark office. Then there was appeal. Then the appeal sent it back to the trademark office. Then we filed a federal action. Then that got dismissed. And then we filed another federal action. So this, if you track the case, like from a legal standpoint, um, it's, it's a great civil procedure case. Um, forget about what it was all about from trademark perspective. Um, there were depositions in Mexico. There were depositions in um, D.C., uh, Boston, Miami. There were several depositions. Um, the deposition of uh, Manuel Morajon, who is the vice president of marketing for Habanos, mm -hmm. was in the District of Columbia, D.C. I forced him to come there. They fought it, and the, uh, the, the court at the time forced him to come to this country and sit for a deposition. And the interesting thing about that deposition was he showed up with what probably looked like a fake Rolex, you know, and kind of dressed up and super excited to be in the United States, you know. And the, the irony to me was that here's a communist country uh, litigating over a trademark, which is like quintessential capitalist thing, right? A trademark. Mm -hmm. And he's wearing a Rolex or a faux Rolex. Yeah, faux Rolex. You know, yeah, and he's surrounded. He had his in-house counsel there, apart from his New York counsel. By the way, it, it may have been a real Rolex. Yeah, it could, well, you yeah, know those, what happened to him, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, he was actually uh, detained mm-hmm. for selling fakes to uh, like a side gig in Mexico or something. Yeah, that's why I said probably a real Rolex. And he's he was, actually he making money. He's actually a nice guy, and and I think the last thing I've heard of him is I think he's in the, uh, the DR now, uh, working at a cigar company. But whatever, not, nothing on him. Yep. You know, he was uh, subject to the Cuban, whatever you want to call it, and the guy's just trying to make a living. So long story short, uh, the case is super interesting. It's still ongoing. Uh, my uh, stepdaughter's in law school, and she took a trademark class. And uh, about a year ago, she sent me a, a text with a picture of my case, or one of the you know in opinions. Yeah, in a textbook. Awesome. And yeah, I was like, that's cool. I haven't been paid on it, but that's cool. <laughs> Why is the Cuban government so um, protective of that brand? Well, so it, does that's it a set, a, does that's it a good set a precedent? It's not even a brand that does, they created originally. Does it set a precedent for the rest of the industry? Because I, I imagine they have other brands that they also defend. Yeah. So for for that particular brand, Guantanamera, it's not Cohiba, it's not uh, you know Bolivar, it's not a Romeo and all that. It it's a uh, their version of the cigar is a cheap um, machine made cigar. And in fact, tobacco doesn't come from Vuelta Abajo. It comes from Vuelta Arriba, which is more cigarette tobacco in Cuba. Sounds like a song. Vuelta Abajo, Vuelta Arriba. <laughs> or, or, or a drinking game. Vuelta Abajo, Vuelta Arriba, Vuelta Adentro. So, um, so f- from that perspective, it's not a marquee brand and it's not a, a high-end product. But we, we got the numbers on that product and they sold a ton of them. I don't know if you can cuss on here, but they sold a, a yeah, shitload of those yeah. things. This is an adult only podcast. Yeah, yeah. And the numbers were uh, not as big as, say, your Swisher numbers or any of those numbers you'd see for like, uh, but they were pretty big. So it was a cash cow for them. So, um, and at that time, uh, we're talking the early 2000s and even going back a little earlier than that um, and throughout the 2000s. They were very aggressive through their New York Council in filing oppositions against any brand that even smelled of Cuba. If it had any correlation at all, they would file an opposition. And they were successful for the large part. So, uh, but if, if I have that history right, and maybe maybe I don't, but uh, I remember that Jose's brand, Guantanamera, the U.S., Mm-hmm. That came first. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then Cuba launched their own Guantanamera. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not disputed that uh, Jose came out in 97, selling it here in Miami. And then he had some stores throughout the country that he was selling this to. Um, and we have all the documentation. And we won on that issue. Uh, they launched their brand in 2002 in Germany. And there's a press release where they were launching at uh, um What's the show there? Uh, Enter Tobacco. Yeah, Enter Tobacco, right. Yeah. I think that's where they announced it. So that's not disputed. So the question of first use, their their argument was um, there's a section of trademark law, uh, 2E3, to bore you, but it basically says that you cannot trade something, trademark something that is uh, geographically uh, descriptive yeah, or geographically deceptively misdescriptive. So the argument is, is when an American sees this product, they're going to think it comes from Cuba. And we argued um, ad nauseum and continue to argue that Americans don't think any goods come from Cuba because there's a embargo that's been there since 1962, yep. whatever the year is. So, um, but you have a trademark office that has, um, you know, the folks that look at this. Um, how can I put this delicately? Um, they, they, they didn't like those those arguments, right? They say, well, you know, you can't say everybody doesn't know that. So we don't want, you know, customers to be deceived, consumers to be deceived. Long story short, you know, we appealed it and we went back and forth. And now the last thing we have going on 
is we filed an action in federal court in Miami uh, three years ago. And we basically said to judge, um, dear judge, um, we want a declaratory judgment. Basically, this is all bullshit. Forget about the trademark office. Forget about everything else. Make a declaration of law you know, uh, that uh, our mark is not geographically deceptively misdescriptive. Well, it's slang of geography, right? It's not even the. It's not even. It's not saying Correct. Miami. It's, actually, it's calling uh, it like Miami hizzy or something like. Well, that. no, it's a, a, a lady that comes from or Montana. a thing, right? right. Yeah, or a thing, a thing yeah. and that's their argument. It says, "Oh, it could be a thing," but you can say that's the dictionary definition. But what is it in reality, right? So, well, I mean, uh, I, I think that it's it's pretty evident historically that when a brand is made in Cuba, it'll say like Guantanamera, Cuba underneath so, or Havana underneath. So Bacardi Havana. won on a case like that. So uh, Bacardi had Havana club Havana case, club, yeah. which may still actually be going on, but there was a really good ruling in their favor that that was determined. Yeah, Pernod Ricard, Ricard. Yeah. Pernod Ricard. So in that case, judge, I forget the judge at the time, uh, basically said, I hear all this stuff. But Bacardi's bottle says made in Puerto Rico. Yeah. So that would, you know, no one's going to be confused where this comes from. That's, so doesn't that give enough precedent for a case like Guantanamo? Yeah, we've argued all of that. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're kind of beyond now all of those kind of uh, those arguments about this and that and everything else. Where we are now is we're in federal court now. And the interesting thing about federal court is there's no nonsense. There's no Mickey Mouse court, the trademark office. I mean, this is a federal judge with power to put you in jail immediately. I mean, um, there's no one more powerful than a federal judge, maybe the appeals judge <laughs> and a Supreme Court. But you know what I mean? So, uh, so we essentially said, um, we want this dispute that's been going on for 20 years and has put a cloud on the title of our client's brand to be over. So determine that, A, it's not geographically descriptive. And B, that we have common law rights. We've been using this. You can't stop us. So if you give the registration to Cuba, that means they would have the power to stop us from using it. They can't. There's latch. They've never done anything. They don't use it here. There's no in use here. So a client's been using it since 97. He has a store on Cayo Ocho now. He's coming out with a rum brand with a name. He has some private label beer with a name on it. You know, you're not going to take that away from somebody that actually left Cuba to get away from this oppressive regime. Yeah. And now they're still oppressing him years later. Wow. So, so your, your law career really starts there with these uh, trademark uh, cases. But now in, in the more recent Frank Herrera biography, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's all about, you know, substantial equivalence and, and FDA regulations and things of that nature. But those get really boring. Those are not as fun to talk about as uh, yeah as cases against Cuba. I, I would agree with you, um, but I, I find something interesting in everything, right? Well, and the more, I mean, yeah, you have to, and right? the more you do it, right? So I think one of the the most interesting things about you know the FDA regs is again you have a, a federal agency that has made this great proclamation about saving the public, and they come out with this tome of regulations, 499 pages. That's where you bury somebody, right? That's right. <laughs> That's well, <laughs> sort of. Um, and you know they're full of shit. You just know it because you know more about cigars, not Frank Herrera, but you know, as, as an industry, and you know that everything they're saying is bullshit. 
and, and the other, the, the great danger in, in any civil liberty is when the government or someone with authority says, we know what's best for you. And by the way, we're going to group all these different activities into one and now say you're public enemy number one. So did cigarettes need regulation? Yeah, probably. Did vapes need regulation? hundred percent. I mean, that stuff, you, it's, there's just poison in that stuff. Did some non-premium cigars need regulation? Probably. There's some bad players in there with flavorings and things like that. But does the premium cigar industry need regulation? Some, but not oppressive regulation. But bottom line is you need to treat these different product categories with different regulations in a different kind of uh, microscope. And so going back to your question, that's what I find interesting is basically telling the government to fuck itself. So we're going to play your game, what you're asking us to put in these substantial equivalence reports, but we're not going to give you anything else. Now, if you come back and you properly regulate this in requirement, we're going to play by the rules, but don't force us to do something that we're not required to do. So we filed uh, probably over 600 substantial equivalence uh, reports for non-premium cigars back in September 2020, and we have received uh, a handful of deficiency letters, and uh, you know they're, they're just... FDA employees that don't understand anything. And, uh, and so we have to fight with them. And the point of that is, is we've learned a lot. So if, and when the FDA comes back for premium cigars, uh, we have a pretty good handle on, on what they need or want uh, legally, not, not what their overreaching arm, you know, you know, they think they can do. Right. So, um, so just like with trademarks, which, you know, I've, I've filed thousands of trademarks worldwide since 2001, and it probably cleared 10, 15,000 trademarks in my career. Um, and I, I'm pretty good at it, you know, yeah. and, I, and I, and I like that and I enjoy it. Well, but I, I, I speak from experience when I say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There, there is a trademark for cigar snob. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not a commercial about me, but it's, it, I find this to be a kind of a new challenge for me and something to, uh, you know, to, uh, to learn and, and to be successful at. And, you know, since it's so intertwined with the cigar industry, why not use those years of, of, of history and everything else to kind of, you know, put forth the Beth, I had a little mental fog there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the best foot forward, right, for your client. That's awesome, man. So, like, I don't think we said it. Congratulations on 20 years. Yep. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Yeah. All right. And, and just to, to put a, a bow on the 20-year conversation, What's been the most gratifying thing about these last 20 years? Like if you could say, you know what, you know, doing this or having this happen or seeing this, that really like, I went home that night and, and I felt good about what I was doing. I don't know, something like Beside that. Beside that cigar snob marathon. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Besides that. Well, how many years was that? <laughs> That's that was like fun. 2010 or something? We're, we're trying to bring it back. Yeah. No, I, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. So, um... Gee, there's so many things. I mean, it can be as little as um, having a trademark that I know is problematic and then presenting some arguments to the trademark office and then having them say, yeah, you're right. You know, something that simple, I, that still happens. Uh, and, and I go home and I'm like, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I who cares? This dude yeah, it, was, it was no big deal. But this is this guy or girl's dream, this trademark, yeah. and it had problems. And for some reason, we found a way to get it through. So at that real kind of, you know, simplistic view. Also, you know, going back to Jose Montagni, guy started in 97. Now he has a shop on Cayocho. 
a big tourist attraction. He's looks like he's making his way, you know? And for me, that's as big as helping some multinational with something. I like to see someone that has an entrepreneurial spirit and, um, and, and is fighting every day and he's making his bones and he, and, and he's, he's there doing it, you know? So that, that's, that's a cool thing. And then of course, you know, we do have larger clients, uh, very well-funded clients and we help them. And the fact that they put their trust in us to me still blows me away, you know, some like Cuban redneck, the son of a horse trainer. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, and these people are like, well, what do you think? I mean, that's, that's kind of empowering. Heck yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff, dude. So, so now we've covered the history of your cigar smoking, but we didn't talk about like what we're smoking right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So we've got a high clear castle Victorian and we've, I don't know what, what, how long have we been at it now? 20 something minutes chatting. So we've got a good amount of smoke out. What do you, uh, what do you think about this smoke? I like it. I think it's a uh, medium, maybe a five or six or something. I don't know what scales you guys use, but I mean, I don't think it's overly strong. No, it, yeah, it's like maybe a hair over medium. I would yeah, say that's, medium. Your, your palate's very advanced. I would say medium plus. Yeah. Me. Yeah, maybe a touch plus. Yeah, for sure. Um, balance, you know, nothing offensive about it. No, I'm, absolutely I'm an old not. school, like old, I think I'm an old Cuban guy. You, you know, know what? You know, that's really funny that you say that because we talk about cigars a lot, obviously, mm-hmm. on the podcast and the magazine. And there's, there's new world type cigars, right? Uh, modern cigars that are stronger, maybe more pepper, maybe more earth, and mm-hmm. they kind of punch you in the face. And then there's the old Cuban style, Cuban sensibility of, of balance and aroma and flavor, but everything's sort of in balance. Yeah. And, and we all, whenever we, you know, when we're doing our top 25 list or, or ratings or like that always stands out. Like, yes, of course, there's cigars that are just bursting with flavor. But then, you know, uh, they, they leave your mouth dirty There's or something, right? And so, but then there's these cigars that are just perfectly balanced, mm-hmm. clean, like they smoke clean. You finish smoking them and you're like, can I have another one? You know? Yeah. Like that's what the old Cuban cigars were about. And so that's what you're saying is like you're an old, you know, Cuban yeah, cigar guy. I, I, I am. And, and I kind of... I, I see it, you know, you know what we're talking about because we're Cuban families, right? Yeah. The guys are like, hey, like, Sarah, it's good. Or, you know, it's either, it's just good or bad, you know, basically. And I, you kind of look at it maybe like, um, like who you choose to be your spouse, right? Or girlfriend or something, right? You want to have like a, a good, you know, respectable, you know, someone with some tradition and all that stuff. Oh, but, but here we go. We're going to get in trouble now. I'm going to abandon that. I like where this is going. But, <laughs> you know, what is it? The freaking, the, what is it? <laughs> No, no. The point is, is yeah. I, let's let's, let's, let's leave it at that. Let's leave the bell biv the bow. That's right. Or that's whatever right. it is. Key is, is when when you smoke a cigar like that, that is everything you just said. You know that the person making it, or persons, or the organization, give a shit about what they're doing, right? And there's a lot of people out there that say they give a shit, but they have no idea what they're doing. You know, they're cooking up things. Yeah, you want a burrito? Here's a burrito. Well, there's a lot of better burritos than that. You know what I mean? Yep. Or whatever the the analogy is, we we use Cuban sandwiches for now. Yeah, yeah, Cuban sandwich. Uh, Tampa or Miami? No, we're we're all obviously we're we're homers. We're, we're all Miami here. We don't like any salami in our yeah. in our Cuban sandwiches. Okay, well now you went somewhere else. <laughs> no, but you know, like, you know throw, throw, well, I've pissed off all of our Tampa friends. No, nah, we love our Tampa people, man. That's that's our heritage. So yeah, but so back to the cigar. So we started to talk about the cigar, and then I 
hijacked you into talking about it. And then I hijacked it even further. Sure. Yeah. So, but what, what kind of flavors? Uh, I, I know that that's not, that's not your thing, but if you had to like, okay, this is, this has got like elevated this or that, what would you say? Well, I, I will tell you that my flavor, uh, my smell and taste is off since COVID mm-hmm. back in August still. Um, so I, well, I, you know, that excuse, you can use that like in yeah, perpetuity. Like, yeah, yeah I, had, I had COVID back. Well, but in, you could tell us about your palate before COVID, and, COVID. What, and what you like. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, definitely anything that is, uh, you know, leather, I'm definitely down with the leather barnyard, you know, obviously a little bit of chocolate. I don't want to be eating a chocolate bar, you know, just something that tastes like, you know, someone did the right job in fermentation. You know, somebody knows what they're doing. So I, I guess to going back to the question, um, you know, the, the characteristics that should come from uh, whatever we're smoking now in Maduro, you know, good fermentation, good tobacco. And I want it to taste like tobacco. But then the other weird place that you've gone is that you've, <laughs> you've moved out of Miami into Valdosta, Georgia. There's nothing weird about Valdosta. But, yeah. But you yeah. went from like a city that is nonstop hot. And there's, there's, too much to do here. Yeah, there really is. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why some of our sports teams don't get support because it's just too much to yeah. do. Yeah, Marlins. Yes. We have- Marlins. We're, okay. we're talking Come about you. you. We're just going to continue on the liability train. So <laughs> we can talk about the lawsuit with the Dolphins if you want. No, no. I'll pay but- you to tank this interview for me. <laughs> so, uh, but you went from a town that has so much to do that it has a hard time supporting yeah. perfectly good sports teams, and. And then you went to Valdosta, Georgia, where yeah. Yeah. you have what three decent restaurants there? No, yeah, I'm okay. I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm you're not. you're right on three decent restaurants. Yeah. How about the cigar selection up there? Uh, well, the internet's always available. That's yeah. a joke, guys. Um, uh, there there is a uh, a premium uh, shop there. Um, you know they'll have your Perdomos and you know and some Fuente and things like that. Um, the, the selection's okay. Um, the prices are okay. It's actually um, a block from a building I just bought down there in downtown. Um, but uh, and I, you are doubling down on Valdosta. Well, listen. So I'm, you're going to answer. I'm going to answer your question about why. Okay. Number one, family. Um, my wife's family's from there, and they're getting older, so they need uh, they need a lot of help. Uh, number two, um, just to give you an idea, I sold a small house here on a small lot. And I bought a huge house there on a lake yeah. for the same amount of money with less taxes, uh, less everything. So from that perspective, you know, COVID in mind and all that, it made sense to me. And then rather than pay rent on two offices down here, I closed those up and I bought a building. So my mortgage is a third uh, on a three-story, 7,000 square foot building than it was on two small offices in South Florida. So um I've never loved Miami. Uh, I grew up in central Florida on a farm, you know, walking on fences and, you mm-hmm. know, definitely, you know, Mark Twain or, or Huckleberry Finn kind of stuff. Um, so I've never felt comfortable here. Uh, I like space. I like being somewhere where I think uh, my money goes somewhere. Um, even car insurance. I mean, paying half, you know. So with modern technology, Zoom, everything else, uh, I live there, but I can be anywhere, right? I have clients in every major cigar country, uh, Dominican Republic, Honduras, Nicaragua, Mexico, Germany, um, e- everywhere. I have clients throughout the United States. Um, I'm lucky to do that because I do mostly federal practice. Um, so I can be anywhere. Um, so why? Um, yeah, it's slower. It's a little boring, to be honest with you. But I mean, 
have freedom. You know, we go to the family farm, we hang out, you know, it's just, I feel like I can think clearly there and Miami, it's just too much noise for me. Um, I'm a little jealous. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. Yeah. Miami. um, I went to university of Miami for a couple of years before they told me I wasn't there. I shouldn't (laughs) be there Uh, back in 1989. And uh, you know, I've seen it change quite a bit. Um, Traffic has not gotten any better. It's only gotten worse. Um, it's it's a place where I don't think I can uh, breathe. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of my good friends, like the two of you and clients, are here. Uh, I have family here. Um, so I do come back on a regular basis. So when you ask me where do I live, I'm like, you know, wherever the internet is, you know, that's that's where I live. I was only bothering you by calling Valdosta weird. I was <laughs> Initially, that thought came to me about your golf game. But I, I switched it to Valdosta. Well, we can talk about that, too, because I've just, at age 51, rediscovered golf. Nice. And, well, uh, welcome to, like, this horrible, sad, depressing place yeah. that e- is Everything you've a said golf sounded game. very, very smart until, <laughs> until, until getting back. you grabbed a right set there. of clubs. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, I enjoy it. I, I'm, I'm not good. Um, but I see. I'm not good. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you said that. But uh, but I but I know the rules. I know the etiquette, and, uh, and I, I know how to cheat. And we can we can smoke and drink out there. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And I enjoy uh, learning, and uh, it seems like there's always something to learn about. It's it. a lifetime of learning with yep. that freaking game. <laughs> yeah, it beats you. It beats you up constantly, and then you're like, oh, I got this figured out, and then something else. The wheels come off of the other side of the car. Yeah, it's, it's a disaster. Yeah. I'm talking about my golf games. No, that's that's dead on, man. Absolutely. You should have a golf cigar podcast. Yeah, we should do that. Except it would just be Ivan talking. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's the only one that can bring something. Oh, you have guests on, you know. You anybody can't be wa- worse. Anybody watching the Phoenix Open? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah got it on my phone right now. <laughs> cool. So yeah, we gotta get out there. We gotta do it. But so uh, so I have had the pleasure of being at Frank's house and grilling steaks under the rain in a makeshift. <laughs> he had literally just moved in a makeshift yeah, like a grill before. that was like we Frank cannibalized parts of other grills. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Frank and grill. Yeah, it was Frank a Frank and grill. grill. It really was. He grabbed the grate from some other cool. grill, That's and his it. brother-in-law had another part of the, the burner. It was MacGyver that shit. It was totally MacGyvered, and then. The rains came down. Yeah, and I was like, Frank, you got an umbrella? Wow, we got this other thing. So it was like a tarp over it. Anyway, the things came cold. out. But, the, but you, you know what? You killed it. You cooked them. I, no, but here's the thing. Yes, I did. I grilled them, but that's like the thing with grilling and meat. If you start with good meat, you can't mess it up. That meat is... This place and that called, was awesome. This place is called Carter's. I get no financial remuneration from this at all, but it's a little uh, place in Valdosta that's basically a... A vegetable stand and then they have a little uh, butcher in there and of course i become friends with the butcher like how you know 1960 can you be yeah and this guy hooks me up dude and it's just the, the meat is incredible those were phenomenal it's incredible i'm telling you i mean i didn't do anything special i just didn't That's burn them you know yeah uh wow what a, that was a that was a good night yeah so we were we were traveling back from a family vacation and we stopped at at frank's house again he had just moved in there was barely furniture in there and uh, it was great. We uh, we grilled it up, and then it stopped raining, and then we hung out and, and smoked cigars on out the there. porch on yeah. the uh, on the uh, the ro- no, we didn't have rocking chairs at the time, but no, there were like some some uh, we used coolers and things yeah, like that. We just said. moved, yeah, in. yeah. 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 So right. no, nah, man, I can't wait to make it back up there. But uh, but dude, again, congratulations for twenty years. 
appreciate thank you. it. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for you know thinking of us when you come down to Miami to hang out with us and and smoke and eat and drink. Love and it. do what we do. Let's so we do love having you, Frank. Thank you, and congratulations to you all for 16 years now. We're on year 16. You're on year 16. I missed your you party. Did. You did, but but I'm holding out for the 20th. Be another one. Yep. All right. Thank you. All right, brother. All right. Thank you, man. Cool. Yep. If you're like me and look forward to cozying up to a warm fireplace after a long day on the range, kicking off your boots and settling into a nice big bowl of chili con queso, then you'd love the La Aurora 107 Nicaragua. This Dominican-made Nicaraguan puro is a bold new blend with tons of flavor made with the same craftsmanship that has made La Aurora cigars one of the oldest and premium cigar makers in all the world. Started in the Dominican Republic in 1903, La Aurora Cigars was founded by the young Eduardo Leon Jimenez, who set out to fulfill his dream of making great cigars. Today, over a century later, La Aurora has a presence in five continents and more than a thousand employees. The original La Aurora 107 was released in 2010, commemorating the company's 107 years in business. Now the La Aurora 107 Nicaragua brings a bolder new profile to smokers who have become accustomed to smoking the consistent quality and excellence of La Aurora cigars. The 107 Nicaragua comes to life with a diverse array of spicy notes accompanied by a subtle touch of leather. A rich balance of earth, wood, and floral notes flourishes deeper into the smoke with a characteristic pinch of licorice and walnut on the finish. Made in four sizes, a 7x47 Churchill, 6x58 Grand Toro, 5.5x54 Toro, and a 5x50 Robusto, the La Aurora 107 Nicaragua is a perfect complement to any rum cocktail, steak dinner, or even my famous chili con queso. Go on out and get yourself one and tell them Jasper sent you. Thank you, Counselor. Thank you, Ivan. Thank you, Eric. Always man, I, I love Frank, man. Frank and I have been friends for so long. Mm-hmm. He, uh, we talked about it earlier, but he he had that brand, uh, La Caridad del Core. Yeah. And um, man, I you know it was such a it's it's a very Cuban themed cigar that he had. Sure. And um, you know he he just his his law practice has exploded. Right, he's done so well, and uh, he represents a bunch of cigar companies. Doesn't only represent them from a trademark side, but also from an FDA regulation side. And that is that is big stuff coming and recently. That's right? huge. So, yeah. and but he's anyway. such a fun guy to be around. Awesome. Yet he is so intelligent. So it's like you get that <laughs> you get the best of both you worlds. Hate because him, I, I want to love him all. No, the no, no, no. Exactly. I, I like I love being around intelligent people I because know. you know you have great conversations. And you learn so much you from them. Always learn from. But Frank. he's so much fun. Yeah. So you, you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, man. Thanks, Frank. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. All right, so as we're wrapping things up here, let's see where we are right now, uh, you know, sort of the back end of our 20-acre farm. And Eric, where how you doing so far with this? I feel the same way as what I said before the Frank. Um, guilty. Yeah, guilty. I love the smoke. <laughs> I really do. It's uh, from, a, from a mild to medium-bodied standpoint, that Connecticut shade, uh, it'll stand up to anything right now. I mean, I'll, I'll smoke that. I mean, and it's been, and you're it's, smoking your fingernails at this point. I know, it it's, and it's been super consistent. I mean, the, the flavors haven't varied at all. I mean, you still get that creaminess, the nuttiness, the vanilla. Yep. A little yeah. bit of spice. That's exactly what I was going to say. Usually, you're you're almost like, 
I, mean, I keep smoking this because I want to know when is it going to change? I mean, it is, it is just 100% consistent. It hasn't changed from the minute you, you, we lit it up all the way down, you know, down to the nub. It's just it's just straight and solid. It's it's very impressive because you don't see cigars that do that. I mean, whether a, a, any flavor. Yeah, because when they warm up, they, they start to change a lot. But, yeah. man, smoke this, smoke this thing down, like you guys said, to the nub, and it's still the same smoke. And I tell you what. Little, little, you know, a little higher price point, but worth worth it because again, your your experience is, is your experience is longer doing this because yep. it is so consistent. So kudos to the yep. folks who have put this together, man. Yep, yep, yeah. Well, so another Herrera, Willie Herrera, mm-hmm. is the blender on this, and uh, not said right. Yep, and uh, and the tobacco again, uh, Jeff Borshowitz at Corona, is killing it with that farm. So good job, guys. So what what are you uh, what do you think we learned today? Well, what I learned today is is I wasn't lying when I said I knew my bourbons. Yep. Right? True. You know? So, you came correct, I, I son. Figured, I figured my my bourbon street cred is is alive and kicking and and I'm going to need that bottle of redemption just to do some, you know, homework at home. Just I'm thinking sure. I'm thinking Bob Marley a little redemption song. A little redemption song. That's me. We need a little we, we need to play a little clip of that right now. I think so. I think so. I mean, what have you learned today? You know, Going through our little uh, recommendation exercise for essential smokes, yeah, I, I really learned a lot because I get asked for recommendations all the time. And funny enough, a lot of the cigars that we we threw in there, like the Sin Compromisos, the Padrones, the uh, the Fuentes, the even the Aurora Preferidos in a Torpedo and stuff like that, I, I've always thrown those out, but I've never thought about why I've always recommended it. But now going through this exercise, I like kind of compared it to like wine and like wine and like food. Re- like I get recommendation. Re- uh, re- they ask me for recommendations for restaurants here in Miami mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when you come in. So I'm, it it like opened my mind up to like seeing what I needed to recommend. You know, instead of just brands, I'm thinking why I should be recommending certain things so they can experience certain like diff- uh, different countries and different wrappers and different sizes. So I liked going through this exercise. That was yeah. a very good question that was that was given to us. Yeah, man. Thank you, Adam. That was that was awesome. Uh, yeah, me too. Like the the process of going through that of going well. So why, why exactly would you do it? that? Yeah. 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 Why have I been saying that? So that was that was fun. And then uh, and from the bourbon side, that old tub. Again, you know, like I want people. We to We all understand. have an old tub, but now you can have two. <laughs> I want people to know, like this old tub is not involved at all here in terms of like sponsoring anything. That was good. I would do that again. I would drink old tub, no problem. <laughs> you just like saying old tub. I know old, and it's like such like throwback kind of uh, packaging. It literally just says old tub in red. And, the, a- and the Woodford is so. Uh. Hey, hey, easy, easy, <laughs> legend, easy. legend, legend. Easy. Go cats. Go Kentucky. Go cats. Oh, big blue. That's it. We went. I took my kids to uh, with a bunch of friends. We went to March Madness. Not this year. A few years back. Mm-hmm. And it was in the bracket that Kentucky was. Man, when those Kentucky fans come out. Oh yeah. Well, my holy mackerel. My wife's side of the it's family. Go big blue. My wife's side of the family are all Kentucky folks. Oh no kidding. Yeah, from Lexington. So oh Nelly. It is, it is. And I was fortunate enough to go to the Kentucky Derby one year, and it is yeah. Woodford uh, draws a lot of water in that town. So. Heck yeah! So and it's okay. Listen, it's okay if it's not your yeah, thing of course, or if it is your thing. But of course. you know, it, it's today was a good day. 
Yeah. Today was a good day, no doubt about cue, it. Cue, so. cue up the, the ice cube and, and, and we'll see. Yeah, a lot of music on this one. Music right. and movies. That's it. Well, listen, for Ivan, for Eric, for Yami, for Nat, I'm merely Jim Rodriguez. Good times. Cigar Snob Magazine Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Later. Later, guys. You've been listening to the Cigar Snob Podcast. Tune in next time for more nonsense and chicanery. But in the meantime, you can find previous episodes of the podcast on cigarsnob.com slash podcast. Follow us at Cigar Snob Mag on all the social media platforms and be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast on Apple Podcast. Until next time, hasta luego.